Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, everybody. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. And may this be true for every single person joining us in this worship of you this morning. Amen. I want to start with scripture right off the bat. John 15, 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Here's hoping you had a wonderful, loving, joy-filled Christmas, just like that video, right? What? Your, your neighbors didn't all dress up and gather around the giant Christmas tree and sing carols together throughout the neighborhood? Mine did. Not. And I'm here today to tell you it's okay if your Christmas wasn't that way. While most of us would love something, like in the video, it's just not what usually happens. I mean, unfortunately, our Christmases these days too often end up a lot like that beautiful video. They contain a lot of the things we look forward to, a lot of the things we have traditionally and think we want in a merry Christmas, cold weather, maybe some snow, laughing children, families gathered around the tables for a delicious feast, wonderful music, beautiful lights, people coming together for the well-known Christmas carols that even non-believers traditionally enjoy singing. The word joy is seen and heard on our Christmas cards and in our yards, on our decorations. But real joy is often lacking throughout our nation because of what was not seen or heard very much of on that video. And that's often what's missing the most in our Christmas celebrations. And that, unfortunately, is Jesus. He was mentioned, but it wasn't the the focus of it. We love to say Jesus is the reason for the season, yet the truth is, even in many Christian families, Jesus is often missing in action. And when the Savior of the world is MIA, what should be a very holy day becomes just another holiday. And truth be told, the holidays can be cruel, deep, and dark, especially during this time of year. From before Thanksgiving until well after the start of the new year, we know that a large percentage of society does not, in general, do well. And talk about a surge in the numbers, problems, issues like disease, depression, destruction, divorce, and death by suicide are huge. And with all the uncertainty of COVID, this past year has been tougher than most even for Christians and those we love. So if you here in the room or joining us online through our streaming videos this morning are feeling down, 
it's important for you to know that you are not alone. I can struggle with this myself at any time during the year, but during the holidays, it can be particularly brutal sometimes. And today's message is all about allowing the Holy Spirit to bring us into harmony with the joy of our Lord. Now, of course, we love to think about that immaculately conceived, sweet little baby boy who brought so much joy. Yet at Christmas, we conveniently tend to forget that he was actually born so that he could later die a vicious and cruel death as a sacrifice for our sins. We talk about that at Easter, but it's hardly ever mentioned at Christmas. Don't want to ruin the mood, right? And, and in spite of that dark event, God's Holy Spirit shows us the reasons for our hope, for our joy, not only continue on this day, they are the foundations that our Christian faith is built on. My message today is titled, Joy to the World to be Continued. The word joy, or a form of it, like joyful or joyous, is used about 70 times in Scripture, fairly evenly between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You add in the word rejoice, another derivative, and its usage goes up to over 100 times in Scripture, so it's important. And the logical place to start is by us having a shared understanding of what joy means. The word joy comes originally from Latin for rejoice. There was a Greek uh, add-in later. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Delight, the expression or exhibition of such emotion. Gaiety, there's a word we don't hear much anymore, a state of happiness or felicity, bliss. Now that's the definition of joy in our world. But when we look at the Word, also known as God's Holy Scriptures, we see it differently. I found a, a magazine article called God Can Be Found in the Difference Between Happiness and Joy by a pastor named Christopher Bennett. He says, Cheryl Crow wrote it in a song, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you so happy, then why the hell are you so sad? Crow apparently understood that being happy isn't always what's best for us. We don't hear that much in the secular world, do we? Because happiness is based on the emotions we are experiencing at the moment, and it can come from satisfaction or bliss or intense pleasure. And we experience joy when we achieve selflessness to the point of personal sacrifice. We feel joy when we are spiritually connected to God or serving his people, end quote. I have learned the hard way. Happiness is overrated. It's like the dog chasing the car. What are you going to do with it when you get it finally, if you ever get it? Happiness is temporary. It happens only when you are glad. Joy is much stronger, and it lasts much longer and can even be experienced deeply when you are sad because joy is not tied to our circumstances. And for a mature Christian... Joy can become more of a permanent state of awareness, or at least 
It's a state of awareness of mind and heart that we can learn to summon at will regardless of what we are facing or feeling. I can feel joy when I'm down or disappointed, like at the funeral of a believer who I love. I'm sad, but I'm filled with joy in knowing that that person is no longer in pain, that he is in paradise while we're still here behind. I suspect she didn't, but it almost sounds like Cheryl Crow had read Galatians 5.19, where Paul wrote, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Sound like the dinner table at anybody's house around here? Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, what Paul is saying, you may temporarily find some things in this world that seem to feel like happiness, but it's all ultimately empty, harmful, and eventually destructive to you and to others. Paul continues in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I want to look at joy this morning by going back to the very beginning of what we call the Christmas story in the New Testament. And we often forget that it didn't start with the parents of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, but with his aunt and uncle, Elizabeth and Zechariah, and that the arrivals of both the babies that were coming, both very unexpectedly, John and Jesus were designed by God to bring great joy to our world. In Luke 1, we learn that there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He and his wife, Elizabeth, were very righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old, and we know that brought great shame in those days in that society. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple when an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared. He was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him, but the angel told him, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. You and your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord." He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. That's interesting. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. So scripture shows that God planned for us to have great joy, that creation would rejoice 
even at the birth of John the Baptist, who wasn't the Messiah, but was coming to prepare the world for the greatest joy in the history of mankind, the coming of Jesus Christ. And we know that as soon as Mary understood she was unexpectedly expecting, she took off, but in a good way. Luke 1 tells us a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her. Remember that line about he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed Why am I so honored that the mother of the Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. There it is again, joy. This time expressed by a baby that hasn't even been born yet. God sending us Jesus is all about the joy. I asked the worship team, to do this couple of the songs that you just heard, including Joy to the World, even though it's a few days after Christmas, because those songs speak well into my message today, but maybe not in, in the way that you might think. Think about the first line of that song, Joy to the World, and tell me what's wrong. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Yes, the Lord did come. Scripture shows there was great joy for Mary and Joseph and the angels and the shepherds and later the wise men and eventually all those who came to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. But it's important to understand that the joy expressed in this song is not about the past or even our present, but about our future. Instead of celebrating the birth of Christ like most hymns we sing at Christmas do, this carol is all about the triumphant return of Christ in what we refer to as the second coming. Hasn't happened yet. The next line is, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. The earth did not receive her king the first time. Every heart did not make room for Jesus as Lord and Savior. The world at large rejected the Messiah. Jesus himself knew that would happen, and that's why on that day that seemed to be great joy and triumphant entry into the holy city, he wept. He knew the joy the crowds expressed that day was only temporary and that he would soon be jeered, that his crucifixion would actually be cheered by the very same people. The words and joy to the world are awesome, and they're biblically accurate, but a clear understanding of their context helps us understand why the world at large is filled with, excuse me, why the world at large is not filled with joy today. The lyrics were written by an English writer, Isaac Watts, back in 1719. Talk about staying power. In the late 90s, over 270 years later, it was named the most published Christmas hymn in North America. And you you could just feel and hear the joy pouring out of it, right? We love to sing it. it. It's beautiful. Watts published it in a collection of his hymns and spiritual songs called the Psalms of David. 
And this one was based on the second half of Psalm 98, where we see phrases like, shout to the Lord all the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy, make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King, let the sea and everything in it shout his praise, let the earth and all living things join in, let the rivers clap their hands in glee, let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth, he will judge the world with justice and the world's with fairness. Our joy, the joy the world will experience, is based on the truth of Scripture. Jesus is coming back again, and the earth will receive her king. Then every heart will someday have room for Jesus, and he will rule with justice and fairness. And we believe this will happen very soon. It just hasn't happened yet. But based on all of the dozens of other prophecies in Scripture that have come true, like the virgin birth of Jesus, his death and resurrection, we have every confidence there will someday soon literally be joy to the world. But yet it's very obvious this is not yet the case. Our nation, the entire world, seems to be at best on edge, and that's an understatement, right? Much, but not all of it, is tied to the situation with COVID-19, but that's only part. People are fearful, angry, divided politically and financially, especially spiritually, even, unfortunately, within the church. You know, here at New Covenant, we have prayed long and hard and had deep discussions on what to do and how to do it. For the first time in our nation's long history, churches were forced to close their doors for a time, and that was hard and very, very difficult to, to deal with. Now, we're allowed to meet together in worship within the parameters state government has set, and there are those who feel that even though we are allowed to meet, that we shouldn't. There are Others who feel we need to gather together as God's people, especially now, and, and that our Constitution protects us from any type of governmental restrictions. Both groups, both sides can quote scriptures that support their opinions, but it's important to note that scripture never contradicts itself. Truths are held together in tension, and there's usually a balance or a situation that tips it in one way or the other. And I don't have time to, to, to go into that today, but just know that Scripture never contradicts itself. But when people are only quoting one part of Scripture on whether the church should meet or be closed, they're not disclosing everything that Scripture teaches us. Pastor Dave and our church leadership team have worked very hard to be good, caring citizens and to honor Jesus in the path that we are following. We are open to capacity, being careful about going above and beyond the guidelines for safety for those who want and need to come together in worship as Scripture tells us to do. We're told, do not neglect meeting together with your brothers and sisters. We've also gone to great lengths to work 
and, and, and it's been a lot of work and great expense to make the services accessible online for those who can't attend or feel safer watching at home because of health reasons, age, and things like that. We feel blessed that we've had the finances to do this, and we sincerely pray that it's a blessing to you watching at home. It hasn't been easy. And we know there have been technical glitches and difficulties, but we're, we're figuring it out, and we're working hard behind the scenes all week long to make this happen. And it, we feel it's, it, 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 it's getting better, and we're, we're coming, coming alongside of where we want to be. Not easy, but little in the life of a faithful follower of Jesus is. And Paul, the apostle, helps us realize that as difficult as this past year has been for most of us, we have not yet suffered anything close to what the early church experienced. And that regardless of what challenges or difficulties we face, we must be light in this dark world reflecting the love of Jesus. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, 3, We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. He continues in verse 7, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they will call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. And there we have it, the meat of today's lesson. As Christians, we are each called to find the joy in every moment. Thessalonians 5.16, I've known it for a long time, but it has been such a rock for me to lean on these days. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always? Even when we can't be with those we love for the holidays? Even when we're not allowed in the hospital room to pray for our family members as they are taking their last breaths in life? Even when the rules prevent us from coming together in numbers larger than five at a funeral home for a service to remember the one who has passed from this life into eternity? Yes, always. Some of you have lost family or friends or both. Others have lost jobs 
or businesses that you worked a lifetime to build. And the longer this goes on, the more it wears on us. Have you felt that? How at first it's like, well, it's just three weeks. We could, we could do this. And here we are 10 months later looking at next year. And a lot of marriages and family relationships are showing more and more negative signs of the struggle and the deterioration. And that's because in a lot of cases, we have forgotten that our assignment as a Christian, our job is to always find the joy. Now, I'm first to admit, I don't automatically do this. Man, I can whine and complain or become angry with the best of them. And a few weeks ago, standing in line in 19 degrees for 30 minutes to get groceries for, for my mom and another lady in her mid-80s, thinking this is so unfair to the poor, to the frail, to the elderly. I was, I was very angry. But this scripture came across my heart, and I tried to find things to be thankful for. And eventually I did. This scripture from Thessalonians 5.16 is in the process of transforming me, and it'll do the same thing for you. Even through a large number of brutal things happening in our fellowship, suicides, divorce, serious medical diagnoses like cancer that I dealt with with a, a beautiful lady in our, in our fellowship just this past week, premature death, people that die way too young. Yet, walking through the key points of this passage with those who are suffering the loss has helped them, and it's changing me. Always be joyful. Find some small thing that shows God's goodness in the situation. Never stop praying. Ask God, thy will, not my will. I know what I want. I need to know what you want, Lord. Remember that our prayer doesn't change God. Our prayer uses God to change us. Be thankful in every situation. Lord, I didn't have him as long as I wanted, but I had him in my life, and I am better because of that gift from you and the times we had and the things I learned, the enjoyment that we shared. Thank you, Lord. So our job is to have joy, to find joy. But Satan has a job, too, and his is to steal our joy. We know from Scripture he's a liar, the great deceiver. He disguises himself as an angel of light to make what is evil seem and look and feel good. He falsely accuses believers so that they forget that they've been forgiven of their sins and they feel unworthy to serve the Lord, even though the Word of God says that besides Jesus himself, every single person God has ever used in any way was an imperfect sinner, just like you, just like me. The evil one is constantly firing, shooting his fiery arrows at us in his never-ending mission to start fires in our lives so he can steal our joy. And if we aren't constantly aware that he is always prowling around like a lion searching for those who are weak, 
we can very easily fall into his trap. We can start to complain, to be dissatisfied, to feel unappreciated until we're either caught up in the ways and worries of the world or catch ourselves and recognize that the evil one is up to his same old tricks. You'd think we'd, we wouldn't fall for it, but he's good. He's sly. He's crafty. He knows us very well. And that's why I asked Jason and the worship team to do the number called Old Church Choir for the first time today. I, it sounded like you guys liked it. Did you catch the lyrics? I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I've got a sweet salvation, and it's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing because I've been restored. There ain't nothing going to steal my joy. It's important to note that it's just a good Christian song. It's not Holy Scripture, but many of the best Christian songs are based on Scripture, like we explained about Joy to the World. I'm a big proponent of listening to Christian music as much as possible. We are blessed to have several really good choices available here in Albuquerque on the radio. And of course, there's always the internet or, or music services. It's almost New Year's, and some of the stations will promote their 30-day challenge, urging you, encouraging you to listen to nothing but Christian music for a month to see if it doesn't change your listening habits and, more important, change your spiritual temperature and your life. It's made a big difference for me. Listen for Scripture in the songs or Bible-based ideas and think about Jesus as you learn to sing along. And listen critically. There's songs on Christian radio. I kind of go, well, I don't see the connection here. But still, it's very uplifting. It's very helpful. And it, and it brings me joy. And it takes my mind off of other things when I'm fighting through traffic or in a rush to a meeting or, or getting ready to deal with somebody who's had a, a dreadful situation come into their lives. Now, while I'm trying to talk about all these positives, it's important for me to note that if we live long enough, things will get worse in this world we live in. Sorry to burst your bubble. And I don't say this to discourage you. Not at all. It's to remind you, to prepare you, and to spiritually encourage you. Because Scripture promises that True persecution will come against the church in a wide variety of forms. And I, I believe that there are groups out there who are planning it now, working to make us look bad to the rest of the world, to take us out, to permanently shut us down, and to remove us from the public conversation. I know that's hard to imagine because we've been very blessed and very protected, but things are starting to happen and there are things going on behind the scenes that, that aren't in the public eye, that are, are underfoot, and we need to be aware. And to me, it's not a question of if it will happen, just when. And if we live long enough, we're going to see that. I believe that most of us will. But if we're covered in the knowledge and understanding of God's Word, we will still be able to find the joy, even when things get really bad. I do a, a little inspirational called Morning Inspiration, usually five days a week, and you can find it on our Facebook page for New Covenant. 
Just recently I wrote, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Sorry, I didn't actually write that. I just uh, copied it out of the Bible. That was Jesus speaking in Luke 6, 22. What I wrote was, hold on. Being hated, excluded, mocked, and cursed is a blessing? It certainly is when that treatment comes as a result of you faithfully following Jesus. Now, it doesn't count if it's because you're being a jerk. Our natural reaction when we're following the Lord and treated poorly is to fight back or to shrink away in fear and embarrassment. Jesus says we need to learn to be happy about it. He actually says to jump for joy. Understand that those who mistreat you are basically hoping you will shut up and go away. Jesus reminds us to persevere by thinking of our eternal reward that waits for us on a soon-to-be future day. Don't ever forget, they treated those great heroes of our faith back in biblical days in the same ways. So we are in good company and strengthening our spiritual conditioning when we are mistreated and persecuted because of our faith. In part, as we go to the next scripture, Jesus was speaking of our future just before his death when in John 16, 20, he said, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Now, earlier this morning, when I quoted Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, when Mary came to visit, I purposely left out her final words to Mary in that passage in Luke because I think they fit better here. Elizabeth said to Mary, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And the same is true for each of us. We are blessed when we believe the Lord will do what he said. And in John 5, 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And that, my friends, is the gospel and our source of ongoing, unending eternal joy. As a true follower of Jesus, I said, joy is our job, but it's much more than our job. It's our calling. 
In Philippians 2.12, Paul wrote that we are to work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. Finding the joy and celebrating takes prayerful practice and practical application. Pray about finding the joy. Practice applying that joy to everything in your life. Learn the scriptures, love the scriptures, live the scriptures. One of the great sources of joy for many of us from our Christian faith is the sacrament of communion that we're going to take today. I think all of you coming in were, were given the little, uh, the little cup, and I'd ask you now to peel the lid off, to, to take out the little wafer, to carefully peel off the, the, the top on the juice. Those of you at home, Please join us in, um, in uh, grabbing a, a wafer or a cracker or a little piece of bread and a small little thing of juice. As we remember Jesus willingly giving his life to wash away our sins and what he taught at the Last Supper, he said we are to gather together often in remembrance of him and who he was and what he did and what he taught and what he promises of what he has done and all that is still to come. So please, take the wafer and eat it. And as you break the pieces, think of his broken body. And as you drink the juice... Remember the blood that spilled from Jesus as he willingly gave up what we hold to so preciously. And join me in prayer. Great and mighty God, thank you for your presence today in this building, in our homes where we're watching online. Thank you for coming to live in our hearts, Jesus. For all that you've done, for the way that you refuse to give up on us, even as we continue to fail and to fall and to sin again and again, Lord. And we know you don't take that lightly, and Lord, we, we, we don't want to come and ask for grace cheaply knowing that, oh, it's okay, he's going to forgive me, I can do it again. No, Lord, we want to change. We want to continue this process of you making us more like you so that we can be perfected on the day of our earthly death and greeted by you, forgiven for our sins and invited into paradise with you 
and God the Father and all of the saints and those who have come before us, Lord. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.